There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you, John Paul and Sadie, taking your calls at 1850-333-103 and texts and WhatsApps. I can already see some coming in. Keep them coming to 0862-103-103. But we start this morning with the story of the teenage boy who was handed a life sentence for murdering Cork IT student Cameron Blair from Ballinascarthy in what was described as a vicious attack on a defenceless man. Our courts correspondent Frank Graney was in court yesterday and uh, he joins me. Good morning to you, Frank. Good morning, Patricia. Now, this uh, teenage boy can't be named because he's under the age of 18. He was handed down a life sentence. Was that expected? Um, well, it was certainly an option available to the judge. Was it expected is a very hard question to answer. Um, the judge's hands are tied when it comes to sentencing an adult for murder because a conviction for murder when a person passes the age of 18 automatically attracts um, a life sentence. But when it's a child uh, in the eyes of the law, as was the case here, this boy is 17 years of age, so he is considered a juvenile. We can't name him. We can never identify him for that uh, very reason. But he is just shy of his 18th birthday. Uh, he is uh, expected to turn 18 next month. Um, but again, still a child under the eyes of the law. So Mr Justice Paul McDermott, when he had to sit down and construct an appropriate sentence, he did have the maximum penalty of a life uh, imprisonment available uh, to him, but he didn't have to hand it down. Now, he did yesterday. He did hand down. He felt that what this boy had done uh, to Cameron uh, Blair uh, back in January of this year, only three months ago, um, did warrant the maximum penalty. But what he did was he, um, he, he ordered that a review take place in 13 years. So this boy will come back before the Central Criminal Court in November of 2032. His sentence will be reviewed. The court will look at everything, how he's been developing and progressing uh, while serving his sentence. He'll be moved to an adult prison uh, once he turns 18 uh, next month. And the court will then uh, decide whether or not he should be released. The earliest possible release date for this boy will be January of 2033. By the way, if he the trial had been later in the year and he had reached his 18th birthday, would, would it be different? It would. And that's a very good and a very interesting question, uh, Patricia. And that was something actually that the family remarked on yesterday. Aidan Donnelly, uh, Cameron's uncle, a brother of Cathy, um, he gave uh, a very um, emotional statement on behalf of the family who were stood just uh, behind him at uh, Cameron's Father Noel was also there and so too was his younger brother Alan and Aidan read out this statement on the steps of the courthouse shortly after the sentence was handed down and one thing um, that that I noted was that he said that 
for the family, the grief was compounded almost. Uh, they didn't really feel like they had a chance to grieve properly because of the speed at which this went through the courts. And the reason for that, they felt, the reason they felt that this was expedited was because of his age, because he is so close to his 18th birthday, that if this had actually dragged on past his 18th birthday, he would have been treated very differently. Take, for example, if this boy hadn't pleaded guilty and he did admit uh, to murdering Cameron Blair on January 16th at that house party uh, on Bandon Road. But if he had contested the charge and pleaded not guilty to it, he would not have that trial before his 18th birthday. So he would have been tried as an adult. And had he been convicted as an adult, he would have been sentenced as an adult. Uh, He would have been handed the mandatory life uh, sentence for murder. And more than that, we would also have been able to identify him. That was something that... And and even when it comes back before the courts for review in, in 2032, will he still not be named then? No, no. And these issues were all brought up, I suppose, the, the most recent trial of, of, um, of Anna Kriagel, the two boys that were uh, convicted of, uh, of murdering or found guilty of murdering Anna, Anna Kriagel, that high-profile trial just a few months ago, unearthed all of these issues. Um, those boys and this boy as well will be protected by uh, the Children Act throughout their lives. So even when this boy passes the age of 18, we can't identify him. When he comes back before the courts in 2032, we can't identify him. That protection remains throughout. The Blairs know who he is. They sat in the same courtroom as him as him yesterday. They sat in the same courtroom earlier this month for his sentence hearing. They know who he is. They sat just uh, a few yards uh, away from him uh, yesterday. But, did, he um, show, as said, did he show remorse? He, he he did hand in, there was a letter of apology read out um, uh, at the sentence hearing earlier this month on, on his behalf and he did exhibit um, remorse uh, uh, through that letter that was read out on, on his behalf. But when the sentence was handed down yesterday, um, very little reaction from him sitting in the dock. There were some family members seated quite close uh, to him. Um, throughout the uh, finalisation of the sentencing process yesterday, which took some time because the judge had to go, had to go through everything, uh, it took some time for him to, to actually eventually pass sentence. And the boy, I noted, was just seen to be staring at the floor, staring at his shoes throughout, not really engaging with anybody in the court. And when the sentence was ev- eventually handed down, he was quite impassive. Now, that's not too surprising in my experience when somebody's handed down uh, a long sentence like that. There is an element of shock that sets in and, and people often don't give much reaction. But I did hear afterwards he was um, consoled by his parents and his legal team came over for a brief consultation after that sentence was handed down. And I did hear afterwards he was inconsolable, uh, very upset as he, as he was being led away to begin that sentence. He'd be taken to Oberstown or he has been taken to Oberstown detention centre in North County Dublin Uh, but in just a few short weeks he will be moved to an adult prison uh, once he turns 18 years of age and that is where he will serve the remainder of his sentence. And how was Cameron remembered in court yesterday? Oh look Cameron Cameron, you could tell Cameron was very much loved in his community. Uh, the judge even remarked on it yesterday and he spoke about the enormous dignity and restraint uh, that the family uh, exhibited when they delivered their victim impact statements and each of them did, Cathy and Noel and Alan, they all delivered their own victim impact statements at a sentence hearing earlier this month and we heard a lot of detail about Cameron. Um, we heard, as you mentioned, he was 20 years of age at the time. He was a second year a student at Cork IT where he was studying chemical engineering, a very bright young man, a very athletic young man. Uh, He had a black belt in karate. He played rugby with his local club in Bandon. And I'm sure you and and, and your listeners are are very familiar with the photos that um, have been in the newspapers throughout this horrible ordeal. Uh, One in particular that strikes me is is, um, a very tall, athletic-looking Cameron Blair stood there 
in his rugby shirt with a big smile on his face. He was described as a very popular young man. He had a large circle of friends. He was held in high esteem uh, by all who knew him. He was described as someone who had leadership qualities, an infectious smile, and a personality that drew people into him. Um, He lived in student accommodation in Eden Hall in the city at the time. And interestingly, as the chorus was hearing uh, this glowing description uh, being given of this bright young man, Mr Justice Paul McDermott actually paused proceedings and he asked if there was a photograph of Cameron available. The family, of course, had one, a framed photograph that they had brought to court with them. That was handed up to the bench. The judge looked at it and then he left it by his side for the remainder of the hearing. Now, a lot has been written and a lot has been said about Cameron Blair, but I suppose the words of his parents and of his younger brother, Alan, were the most revealing. Um, As I mentioned, they all delivered their own victim impact statements earlier this month. That's not an easy thing to do. And it's safe to say that they've all been left utterly devastated. Um, Cathy said that Cameron was great fun to be around, that he had great plans for the future. And she said that she just knew he would have gone on to do great things. And I think that's safe to say. She said that he possessed a great kindness, that he was a peacemaker. And he certainly, that was certainly supported by his actions on that fateful night because despite everything, despite the fact that this boy was seen to be brandishing a knife, despite the fact that he had extended the hand of friendship, he didn't know this boy. He invited him in. He vouched for them. Other people in the party didn't want uh, the, this boy there. He vouched for him. He said that he was tome. He said that he was sound. He helped out a drunken homeless man that night as well who had arrived at, at their door. Uh, Cathy described him as a peacemaker. That is safe to say. She said that her life has been shattered, that she sometimes just screams out loud when she's at home, alone in the house of her own, at the injustice of it all, at how her son could be so cruelly taken. Noel, his father, then spoke about the daily drive past the rugby ground in Bandon, where he used to watch Cameron training and playing the sport that he loved, and he said that that's a daily reminder of how much they've lost. He said it breaks his heart to think that he'll never see his son again. Uh, he described the loss of a child as the ultimate grief, and he said that he'd heard... He'd heard it being described, the loss of a child, as the ultimate grief before, but he'd never known uh, how bad that grief could be. Alan then took the stand as well. He's a few years younger than Cameron. And he said that Cameron had a wish list of things that he wanted to achieve during his life. He said he always looked up to his big brother. And on this wish list were a number of things, such as getting a black belt in karate, uh, doing a skydive. And even though Cameron was only 20 when he died, he ticked off so many of those boxes. Um... Alan said that he'd missed the long conversations that they used to have into the night. And poignantly, one of the things that he said that was on Cameron's wish list was to live to be 100. And that box will forever remain unticked due to the cruel actions of this boy. And that is that is truly tragic. And they try and pick up the pieces and move on with their lives. It's 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 dreadful. Listen, um, I'm conscious of the time because I know you're heading back into to court, Frank. Listen, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning. That is our courts uh, reporter, Frank uh, Graney. And I'm going to play out. This is the piece that was uh, on the steps of the court afterwards. This was Aidan Donnelly, who is Cameron Blair's uncle. And he is brother to Cathy, Cameron's mum. And he spoke on behalf of the family yesterday. On behalf of the family, I'm just going to read out a prepared statement. As you can imagine, the murder of our beloved son Cameron and everything that has followed since has been a very harrowing time for us and all our family. 
Today has been equally distressing, but we welcome the conclusion of this aspect of the investigation into Cameron's cowardly murder. The sentence, the life sentence handed down today will not bring our beloved Cam back, but will hopefully give some comfort, if not now, then over time. It is just over three months since our son was murdered. Having pleaded guilty, we were told that due to the fact that the accused was a juvenile, he had to be sentenced prior to his 18th birthday, resulting, it appears to us, in the case being expedited through the courts. This allowed little time for us to grieve as a family. We believe that this is something that needs to be examined and ask that the appropriate authorities look into this. We would like to express our gratitude to a number of persons and groups. Detective Superintendent Michael Cummins and his team of detectives, Martin, Danny, Rory and other Garda members who worked tirelessly in seeking justice for Cameron. Their professionalism and dedication is very much appreciated. Garda Brendan McBride, our family liaison officer, for his constant and continued understanding and support to help us through this ordeal and all other members of Angarda Shikana who provided help and assistance at various stages. Advic and in particular Barbara for their counsel and support throughout. Anne Rowland, Senior Counsel, Liam Holland from the Office of the DPP, other members of the State Legal Team and Mr Justice Paul McDermott for their professionalism and sensitivity throughout the court proceedings and legal process. Finally, we would also like to publicly thank all our friends, neighbours, sporting clubs and our local community in Cork who have been outstanding in their support and assistance to us from the moment that this awful time befell us. Their kindness and unselfish giving of their time has been of enormous help to us to get through this ordeal and we will be eternally grateful to them. We also thank all the other people from across the country and indeed far afield who have sympathised with us offered support and provided comfort to us. What we saw in Balanascarti and Bandon was community spirit and kindness at its finest and prompted my sister Cathy, while waiting Cam's return home from the CUH and in the midst of her overwhelming anguish to make a comment, you know Aidan, when I look around me here at all that people are doing for us now, their kindness, their support, I know there is more good in the world than bad. We thank you all from the bottom of our hearts and we will never forget. Cameron, we miss you terribly. You will never be forgotten. You will always be remembered. In your short 20 years, you did a lot, we did a lot, and we thank you for the joy and love you brought into our lives. Until we meet again, rest easy in peace, Cam. Okay, that, uh, well done to uh, Aidan Donnelly there, Cameron's uncle, uh, speaking yesterday in that prepared um, speech prepared text outside uh, the court and we once again extend our deepest deepest uh, sympathies to his mum and dad Noel and Cathy and to his uh, younger brother Alan and indeed the wider Blair uh, family may Cameron Blair rest in peace This is the Court Today replay on C103 I suppose you, we hang on to every little glimmer of hope that we can see of the lifting of restrictions because people are starting to say, is it ever going to end? And people are worried about their jobs, uh, etc. So I think certainly a clink of light and a little bit of hope yesterday with the news that they reckon almost 150,000 building workers who were laid off in March 
could be back at work as early as next month. The government obviously now really starting to look at kickstarting the economy. Plans by the construction industry to stress test health procedures and that would allow sites to open up again. They were discussed at a meeting yesterday and there was government officials there, employers were there tra- and trade unions were there and obviously the Construction Industry Federation of Ireland were there with the understanding that some building sites could open up at the start of May which I'm assuming would be just after the bank holiday weekend. They also are planning that it would begin with social housing sites and we so desperately need those houses. And that certainly was a little bit of good news yesterday on the same day that the government announced the number of people who are in receipt of a government payment because of the COVID-19 restrictions and it has now topped one million people. The number of people receiving the €350, the pandemic payment, that rose by 51,000. There's over well over half a million now on that 584,000 people then there's the further 212 who are on the unemployment count some of them would have already been unemployed before COVID-19 and then there's 219,400 people are receiving the wage subsidy payment from revenue and that's a pretty good scheme because that's keeping people in their job. They're still at work, but it's just the government is paying part of their wage. So that's still coming out of the, the state coffers. The Finance Minister, Pascal Donoghue, is preparing to release forecasts of the costs of COVID-19 in terms of its impact on jobs and the ballooning budget deficit. And we're expecting to hear more on the figures and how much it's actually costing uh, today. Many economists are believing that the government will struggle to hold the deficit at below 25 billion for this year because at the moment with the way the payments are going it is costing 1 billion a week so it's for how many weeks it goes on that's why the bit of good news that the building sites might reopen and we might get the builders back to work the head of communications with the Construction Industry Federation a guy by the name of Shane Dempsey is quoted in a lot of the papers as saying the return to construction work would happen relatively quickly he reckons from next month. Now he said that's once health once health protocols were stress tested across different parts of the industry. He said for example induction programmes mandated by the HSC, they were actually starting this week and once those have been validated, employers then would be able to go back to work and it would be done on a site by site basis and as I mentioned social housing and civil engineering are seen as projects for the, as well as projects for the multinationals. They could be the first to restart but only if everyone is satisfied that the COVID-19 safety plans uh, were uh, working. So that's, you know, it's a little bit of in the midst of all of the numbers of people who are, who are temporarily unemployed. It would be good to see one sector at least uh, going back to work. And of course, while all that is going on, the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, is saying the government is working on a plan to see when the COVID-19 restrictions could be uh, lifted. And he's expecting to publish it at the end of this month. Obviously, these restrictions are in place until after the May bank holiday, the 5th of May. So that's at the end of next week. And obviously, the end of the month is the end of next week. So We'd be expecting to hear something, murmurs around this time next week, uh, perhaps. The Taoiseach says what we're working on is a stepwise plan whereby we could start to open certain services, certain parts of the economy, 
Then we'd take a pause and we'd review every two to three weeks to see how that's getting on. How, what, look at figures that are coming in for testing of COVID-19. Has there been a spike in any particular area? And then depending on how well we're doing in terms of the spread of the virus, we can move on then and maybe open up another section. But the Taoiseach yesterday did say that he would rather give people certainty when we have when they know what they're going to, what they're thinking is of reopening it and they're expecting to have that early, the end of April, early May. So he doesn't want to speculate because obviously every time he's interviewed he's been asked what sector is going to open so he wants to end all the speculation and say, look, let's wait until everything's agreed and once it's agreed uh, I will let you know. And in fairness with the whole way the government has been handling the COVID-19, they are keeping people up to date and they are, you know, anytime the Leo has anything major to say we get notice it's always done live on TV we all you know get enough time to sit down and, and watch it so they have been keeping people up to date so he doesn't really want to speculate but so the next week back end of next week we should be starting to hear what sections of society and how the restrictions will be eased. He did again warn and it's the one warning that's been coming out since the weekend that large public gatherings and um, busy pubs could be the last to have restrictions lifted when the COVID-19 crisis passes. And in order for it to pass, uh, we certainly we need to have a vaccine in place. It's certainly not looking good for pubs. And that's an issue we are going to be addressing on the programme this morning. And actually talking of large gatherings, John in Kildare was on to say, Trisha, wondering what's the story with the Independence Music Festival? That's the annual event in Mitchellstown. There seems to be no talk about it. And if it goes ahead, surely pubs in the town would have to open do you know if the festival is going ahead? OK, we'll reach out to the organisers of Indy and find out. There hasn't been a lot of talk about festivals as of yet. What festivals will go ahead? Will any festivals go ahead this year? I mean, nobody knows, but certainly we haven't heard of any cancellations yet. But we'll reach out to the organisers of Indy because Indy, is, is that one of the first of the festivals? Is that an early festival? I'm sure it is. Sure, that's around June. Anyway, let's uh, we'll we'll reach out and see if they have any plans and what's happening, and we'll get back to you on it. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Court today on C one zero three with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. The agri-food sector and the food supply chain to the supermarket shelf are all open and fit for purpose within the context of taking the appropriate uh, measures where possible to prevent the spread of the virus. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Goals Post Calver Gold, a trusted partner for your peace of mind across the breeding season. Only on C103. Listen to C103 on your phone. Download the C103 app today. Go to the Google Play Store for Android or iTunes for iPhone and search C103 Cork. Download it today and listen straight away to C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now the HSC has ramped up efforts to deal with the crisis in the nursing home sector, which has accounted for more than 50% of the debt seen across Ireland over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic to date. Talk to us about how the nursing home sector is coping. I'm joined by Ty Daly, Chief Executive of Nursing Homes Ireland. Good morning to you, Ty. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, how are you? And uh, I'm very well. Um, how are you doing, by the way? You Every time I turn on the t- 
TV, you seem to be on it. You seem to be working 24-7. Is there any break for you? Very little at the moment, unfortunately. But look, we'll get there. The, 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 the challenges ahead of us are, are, are significant. So what we need to do is, I suppose, stay focused on those for the moment. And, well done. Uh, to my well colleagues, done. brighter days ahead, please, that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, has your sector, Tig, felt left down by the health authorities to date? Look, I, I think it's, you know, it's not a time for recrimination, as I've said on other programmes. Um, and, you know, looking back, we'll have loads of time for that in the months to come. But I, I think it is fair to say that the lack of prioritisation of, of the community generally, and uh, nursing homes in particular, uh, will, will, will definitely be a highlight, I suppose, a low light, if you like, of what has happened over the, last, over the last while. I mean, we have been in contact with our own members since the 30th of January. Uh, we had, you know, good communication with officials in the department, to be fair, and indeed the HSE all through February. Uh, but when we started raising alarms in early March, uh, you'll recall we were told at one stage that our actions were premature and unilateral in terms of visitor restrictions. Yeah, you were the and, first uh, to introduce the blanket ban on... Yeah, and, you know, we just we just knew ourselves, and look, I'd love to tell you that, you know, I had some um, crystal ball, but, I mean, what we saw overseas and what we saw in other jurisdictions, particularly in relation to, to older people, was that this virus is a particularly deadly virus. And uh, we felt it was the right thing to do. I mean, it doesn't give me any pleasure at the time or now to look back and say, you know, for, for, for saying to families you can't visit your family member in nursing home. It was, it was with a very heavy heart, I can assure you. But we knew it was the right thing to do. The, the priority and safety and welfare of both residents and staff was paramount. So, I mean, the long-winded answer to your question, I suppose, as you started out, is that, yes, we, we do feel, um, I suppose, the lack of prioritisation. But the challenge for us now is not to, not to point fingers, not to say, you know... It's now to get uh, it right. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, uh, do you no, have, for example, do you have much engagement with the National Public Health Emergency Team? Well, look, that's uh, again, that's, I think that was quite public over the weekend. Uh, like We're not represented on the, the, the NEFET. Uh, there's a number of subgroups of the NEFET that we're not represented on. So again, that's a, a bugbear. You know, it's a matter for another but day. Isn't that here, really but. hard to understand? It is. And I mean, on the, on, I'm on record on the 20th of March last uh, communicating with officials around that and um, saying to them that we were uh, disapp- to say we're disappointed was an understatement. And look, I'm not saying that we could have got everything right, but clearly, you know, nobody has a monopoly on wisdom. And um, clearly, if you have all of the key players, I was speaking to GP colleagues in the last number of days. Again, they feel that there are certain challenges in their sector that probably weren't flagged at an early stage. So, you know, it is inexplicable. There's no no dressing it up. Um, but that said, I think it's fair to say that the NEFET are doing a fantastic job. Um, you know, Tony Holland and his team and Colin Henry, another Corkman, are living here in Cork with us. Like they are doing a super job, there's no doubt about it. But the point I'd make, as I've said, is that nobody has a monopoly on wisdom. And yeah. indeed, if, if we were around the table, we would have flagged maybe some of those issues at an earlier stage. Okay, would, we have, it, would it, we have got all of it right? I mean, I'm not saying we would have, but we definitely have got a lot more right. Okay, you mentioned uh, GPs, and actually a lot of the papers today are picking up on private nursing home operators are struggling to get on-site visits from GPs uh, because GPs are obviously concerned about the spread of, of COVID-19. Are you hearing that from many of your members? Yeah, it is, a, it is a challenge, there's no doubt. I mean, again, uh, in the last uh, year, there was a new GMSGP contract and we made very strong representations at the time to ensure that there was a, a specific contract uh, to care for residents. Uh, that didn't happen at the time. So it, it is a challenge. And to be fair to the GPs, they're, they're uh, stretched at the moment as well, uh, dealing with their own um, patients in the community and, and, and their, their patients in our nursing homes, which are, which are the residents. So, But again, you know, I want to assure people as well, though, that 
the, the nurses and the, the senior staff in the nursing home sector are well capable of, 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 of looking after and seeing maybe a, a change in the condition of a resident. Um, but they do need from time to time, obviously, GB cover, and it is, it is, it is challenging. But, um, and that's not a criticism of GPs at all. In fact, they're, they're like ourselves. They're sometimes outside the, um, the fold looking in uh, rather than inside the fold. And what about PPE uh, gear? Uh, have you now got adequate PPE gear? Are you struggling? Are some areas struggling more than others? Yeah, it's very mixed, to be honest. I mean, I think, to be fair to the HSE, they have done a good job in PPE generally. But again, you know, it, it was uh, maybe, uh, you know, a lot of it was directed towards the acute hospitals initially. Uh, but in the last number of days, definitely things have improved. But there are pockets of the country still, unfortunately, uh, one in, in Cork, uh, in Cork North, uh, I might say, and indeed one in West Limerick that I heard the other day that they tell me they, have, they actually got nothing, zero PPE at this point in time, except for their own their own resources. So, but again, you know, as I said, what we need to do now is make sure that all those gaps are plugged. Um, I mean, when people talk about the nursing home sector, obviously it is challenging that there's 35% of nursing homes, public, private and voluntary affected. But the other side of that coin is that there's 65 possibly uh, percent who are not uh, challenge at this point in time and the issue for all of us now the HSE, the Minister, all of all of the people working in nursing homes is to ensure that we can in as much as humanly possible keep the virus out of those particular facilities um, to ensure the safety and well-being of, of the residents. So d- does, does that mean a nursing home, ref- if, if a nursing home doesn't have a COVID-19 positive case, can that nursing home refuse to take a patient with COVID-19? Well, I suppose that's a particular bugbear at the moment, um, to be honest with you, because the, the funding scheme that was announced on the 4th of April still hasn't been delivered. And one of the issues is what they're saying is that if you sign up to the scheme, that you have to commit to taking all residents. Now, the HSE are saying that, you know, all residents will have two tier, two clear swabs. But, you know, Colin Henry again the other day was talking about the, the gestation of the of the um, the virus in older people doesn't always present. Um, so that is challenging, there's no doubt. And I mean, I've made the point that, you know, a significant proportion of the transmission of the disease, uh, or the virus rather, has been as a result of the large numbers who have left the acute hospitals. I mean, there's two and a half thousand empty beds in the acute hospitals. Yeah. People, people tell me that it's, it's, it's eerie in some of the acute hospitals. So, where, did the, where did those people go? To well, nursing a homes? Them, a lot of them yeah. nursing homes. Some of them went home, absolutely. So, you know, um, uh, what we need to do now is ensure that... Like, you know, to be fair to the, the Taoiseach when he announced on the 12th of March about the national response, that's what we need. Uh, we need everybody putting together, you know, I'm not into recrimination, as I say, but what we do need now is that, you know, the mobilisation of everybody. So if we have a, a nurse, a, a doctor, a carer, a cleaner, uh, a catering assistant in any facility that's not working at the max, as it were, and there's another colleague down the road that is under under pressure, then surely we should just say, let's break down those barriers and say that the, the where the resources are, we move them to the places where uh, the areas are most challenged. Okay, and the testing of all staff and residents of nursing homes, has that been conducted at this stage? Yes, that's that. I mean, again, on Friday evening, we were informed by, by the NEFET that, that that was going to be ramped up. And yes, that's good. Uh, over, over the weekend, that, that has come in. Now, that is a very positive measure, but we also need to be clear here that there is an unintended consequence here in terms of if they arrive at a particular facility, a nursing home, and if a large number of, of staff are COVID positive, then obviously that's important that they would be taken off the roster. But that could potentially leave uh, a particular facility down on staff numbers. So on the one hand, you know, it's a jigsaw, a complex jigsaw at times. We need to ensure that there's appropriate contingency planning in place to ensure that if in a location where 
the testing has uh, resulted in large numbers, as I say, being being COVID positive. We need to then be able to say, well, move in the troops, as it were. I heard someone saying the other day, boots on the ground. Yeah. Uh, move in troops pretty pretty quickly. And that's back to the point I'm making. Like the barriers of public, private, hospital, community, like all those should be put to one side forever in my mind, but at least for the moment. I mean, people listening to your programme, people in, in nursing homes, I mean, they're not too fussed over whose name is over the door or who the ownership is or uh, what they are concerned about, legitimately and rightly so, is if I'm in... Uh, uh, the nursing home will I get the highest possible standard of care and that's our that's our duty um, that's our responsibility and one that we don't we don't take lightly um, and it's a credit to the staff so it does give me the opportunity to I mean the staff who are working in nursing homes right across the, the, the county of Cork and indeed across Ireland are, are I mean going up really above and beyond the call of duty is an understatement you know we'll hopefully have an opportunity uh, in time to come to be able to uh, pay appropriate tribute and honour uh, the staff who are really are uh, yeah, and the one thing we're hearing, Tig, from many um, families who've got a loved one in a nursing home, you know, they can't get in to visit, but the nursing homes are really doing their best to keep the families informed and up oh, to date on what's happening. Absolutely. I think at the early stage, it's fair to say as well, and I heard a um, uh, 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 gerontologist in Dublin the other evening speaking, Sean Kiletti, and he made the point uh, that there's no stigma. I think at the early stage, there was probably a bit of a stigma around COVID. Um, but like, it is a particularly deadly virus. Um, you know, it is in every community, whether we like it or not. And the community transmission was probably much higher than we ever realised. So we've said to the outset from our own members is to be no more than in, in peace times, as I would call them. I mean, if, if, if a family member is in a nursing home and if they fell in the ordinary course of events, I mean, there'd be two calls made. One would be to the ambulance and the second call would be to the family. Mm. Um, so it's the same in this situation. People, the communication is key, uh, both in terms of COVID and non-COVID, but also in terms of uh, keeping social connectedness uh, with with family members, it, it really is important. And again, I'm very proud of the staff uh, across the nursing home sector who are who are so committed to their to their family. What they would see is their family, yeah, because absolutely. a nursing home is, is a unique family. Yeah, all of uh, yeah and if there's people have been in there for so many years and they build up uh, lovely absolutely. lovely uh, relationships. Listen, Tig, I know you're about to go into a meeting, so I appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Thank you indeed, and we'll talk again. Thank you for that. And look after us. And you too, you too. Take care. That is uh, Ty Daly, the Chief Executive of Nursing Homes uh, Ireland. Um, Somebody says, Patricia, these people are so very vulnerable, those that are in nursing homes. They so need to be looked after and many of them are paying enough for it. Somebody wants to point out, so please make sure that we look after the most vulnerable in our community, our nursing home residents. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. You're helping to protect the healthcare workers on the front line who are working so hard for us. You're staying at home to help protect all the people who still have to go to work. And you're helping keep our health service functioning so that we can look after people who get seriously ill. You are saving so many lives. Isn't that an incredible thing to be able to say? We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19 guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. 
The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. According to a report in this week's Avenue newspaper, nursing staff at Fomoy Community Hospital were forced to buy their own face masks at a local discount store. The problem was highlighted by Fianna Fáil councillor Deirdre O'Brien, uh, who joins me. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Good morning. Um, were you contacted by staff at the hospital about this issue? It was a consensual raised by relatives and family of staff and also actually of um, relatives and, st- and uh, family of the residents that the staff in the hospital were being given masks and the staff were begging for the masks. So I did check in with one or two staff that I was aware of and that they told me, yes, that they were being told they could wear the masks but they would have to provide them at their own expense. And I suppose they were a bit stressed at the time because it was just after a COVID case diagnosing for my. And I did know of, I'd seen it actually be on social media about mass selling in a shopping for my. And I said, look, there's someone that might have them in, you know, at this um, short notice. As well, in the meantime, then somebody else did contact me, said they were HTC compliant and they would give, and they saw the, um, the avenue, I suppose, and they said, so I just literally just put people in contact with the staff themselves to acquire their own masks. I suppose since the news all broke then, I've had um, families wanting to donate masks and I believe they've gone to the hospital and want to give the masks in, but the management director of nursing has refused to take the masks from the family. So, so it seems to be all very stressful and I'm kind of wondering, like, why is it all about it's just, you know, to save a couple of hundred euro, let the staff have the masks, like, you know, okay. Just do, we, do we know yeah. why the hospital has refused to take the donations of masks? I've no idea. I've no okay. idea. We might, we might get John Paul to get an email off and uh, we'll see if we can find out because we've heard in a number of other hospital and healthcare sectors of people donating items of, of PPE and yeah, normally yeah. the hospital, they take the hand in all off you because they're, they're in so short supply because this is the ongoing problem, uh, Deirdre. There's a worldwide shortage of That's personal right. protective equipment. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I suppose even... Somebody just told me the Easter, like um, her family had been working in the hospital. I said she didn't even buy an Easter egg. She bought them uh, masks. They were so concerned because, like I suppose, that the residents are, you know, says they're vulnerable, their age, they're susceptible to picking up and this highly contagious um, virus. And I suppose any protection at all, like as I say, look, it's this debut out there about masks. But I suppose, like, I think they give some protection and any protection, and like no matter what, when you're looking after the elderly, it's impossible to keep social distancing. Yeah. So really, they need whatever protection. Well, possible. particularly the type of care. If you're giving, you know, one-on-one, very personal care, you can't be two metres away um, from That's the right. person. And Deirdre, is it recommended that staff wear face masks, especially when dealing with older patients? Well, they, there was guidelines, I think, and they were saying that the HSC was saying they didn't have to. But I think, well, those, I suppose the COVID case, there now as well, and um, those around, we'd say, dealing with that pay, uh, resident are actually um, caring for that resident, are actually wearing the full gowned PPE. But the mask, the, the nursing staff themselves want to wear them for their own protection. And they were told that they could wear them, but literally that they could provide them at their own expense. 
But I think, you know, as I say, it's such a vulnerable situation. You have Ty Daly on there and with Comedian and he's fantastic. And but like as he said, you know, we need to ramp it up. We need to be like that was that's the area that needs to focus in on. Yeah. You know, and we saw that from overseas and abroad. So like why are we scrimping and scraping? Why not? And why cause this stress on everyone? You know, it's it's we're all in tender hooks at the minute. You know, ease that. Like, you know, this is a way of helping it, I think. Yeah. So yeah. that's where I was kinda of coming and from. And it's really. it seems uh, so unfair and bizarre that staff would be asked to go out and pay for their own PPE. It does indeed. Yeah. Yes, exactly, you know. And like even somebody's said to me, Oh, maybe they're afraid to take the donation of masks, maybe, you know, contaminants from families that but should they bring the staff have been bringing in their own from their own homes. Yeah, anyway. so it's the same thing. It's the same and yeah, if somebody's you know. donating masks, they're new masks, so they're not they're not going to be used masks. I don't I, I don't well, listen, we'll get on and see if we can find out what's going on uh, with that particular issue. In the meantime, yeah, Deirdre, how and how are staff doing at the hospital? I mean it's a very difficult time to be mm-hmm. working in the healthcare. Yeah. Well I think you know, I suppose what it feels is that, like, you know, as, as Tide himself said there, like the two-tier system, and the acute system has been given lots of PPE and that masks and that. And, like, you know, at this stage, we've seen, like, you know, the, the I know for a fact there's a, a public hospital in Cork and there's only three or four to go through ICU in the last few weeks. And, um, you know, we see that they, like, the hospitals were all literally emptied out and they had no staff they were waiting for something to happen. But thank God, you know, we did, it, didn't ha- it didn't come to that. Like, there has been good things that's happened. But as you say yourself there, they have been sent to nursing homes and this is where the focus should be on. Mm, yeah. You know, and that, but let's say staff, they're, they're fantastic and I have to admire the whole lot of them, you know, and like, I, I suppose I've got great time for the community hospital in Samoy. It's a fantastic facility in the area and, the, you know, we really want to mind it and we just see what happened like in Planakilty and that. So we don't want a, a recurrence of that up here. You know, if we okay. can stop it. Yeah. All right. just Listen, thank you for thing. highlighting it, uh, Deirdre. And as I say, we will get on to the hospital. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us on the programme today. Super. Thank you indeed, Patricia. Good morning Good to you. Bye bye. That is uh, from Moy based uh, Fianna Fáil councillor Deirdre O'Brien. We'll send an email to see why they weren't accepting donations of those masks at the uh, hospital. Uh, 1850 A quick couple of thank yous to some people who are still getting in the Unpost postcards. They're still out and out and about. Uh, and by by the way, because I know they when not I wasn't on last week the week before some people were saying that they didn't receive uh, the postcards that they didn't obviously get around to every single house. But I did hear that if you if you're popping into any post office that post a lot of the post offices I don't know if it's still the case but certainly at the back end of last week I was hearing about post offices who had some of the postcards available. You get two together if you've already seen them you know what they you get two you cut them across the middle and send them as two individual postcards. But if you're in any post office if you didn't getting the post the free postcards from uh, on post feel free to check with your local post office to see if you can pick up some and thank you to Anthony Pickford in uh, Limerick one of our greatest Limerick fans to the programme he sent where he decided to select us for one of the people to send his postcard to and a lovely lovely um, big lot of writing on this postcard from Virginia in East Cork who's a big fan of everybody here at C103. Thank you. And we really do appreciate people who selected us to be the recipients of those free postcards. You can post them anywhere in the country. Compliments of on post. We need to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. In the next hour, we are going to, we'll catch up with your calls and comments that come into the programme. But we're also going to focus on publicans 
and pubs and should pubs reopen and the belief that's going at the moment the pubs won't reopen until next year how do people feel about that about pubs not opening for the rest of 2020 your thoughts welcome to 1850 333103 reports on c103.ie from Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between we've got it covered to listen go to c103.ie and click regional reports or download the c103 app and click podcasts regional reports only on c103 you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed and seeing as we've sent birthday wishes to Paddy Hartnett in Kilavall and there's a couple of people with wedding anniversaries and actually their stories are making the papers and rightly so. There's a gorgeous story from Owen English in the Examiner today of Lillian and Gus Leham who celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary on Saturday and they celebrate this fabulous picture with their children standing in the back garden looking in at them and other members of the family joined them on uh, line. They had special video messages from their 13 grandchildren. They have eight grandchildren in Cork, two are in Dublin, two are in Meath and one is in Australia. So all the family very much wanting to observe social distancing rules but they couldn't let the moment pass for Lillian and Gus Lehan. They were, they're both in their 80s. They live near the lock. They were married in St. Mary's Cathedral in the city's north side early on the morning of Easter Monday, which was the 18th of April in 1960. And there's just a most fantastic picture of Lillian and Gus walking down the aisle 60 years ago. And my goodness, how stylish did Lillian uh, look. She worked for several years in the electrical department of Roach's Stores on Patrick Street uh, while Gus was a Matson Irish teacher at the North Mom for, uh, for a decade. So happy 60th wedding anniversary Lillian and Gus uh, Leham. And then while you think that's a 60th wedding anniversary isn't that amazing I came across in the paper today a couple who are is it today or yesterday celebrating their 70th first wedding anniversary. Isn't that incredible? I mean, we're talking about Paddy Hartnett being 80. Paddy would have been nine (laughs) when this couple got married. They're Craig and Mary McKinchney. They previously owned and ran McKinchney. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's cleaning services. They were married on the 20th of April yeah, that's yesterday, yeah. At 1949. Now, Craig, unfortunately, had a stroke before Christmas. And since then, he has been a resident at St. Luke's Nursing Home in Maham. So, therefore, the couple, were, for the first time, were not able to celebrate their wedding anniversary together. Their daughter, Avril, speaking to Joe Duffy yesterday, said it was difficult not being able to, for for her mother not to be able to see him due to the COVID-19 restrictions. And she said he was and always is 
a family man and it's pretty difficult at the moment because obviously they can't get in to see him. Craig will be 95 in the summer while his wife, she's just Mary, is just 93. <laughs> uh, the couple of eight children, 15 grandchildren and 14 great grandchildren who are dotted all over the world. And there's a picture of them from a few years ago uh, sitting by the sea in, in better times and when we didn't have the restrictions in place. But they celebrating their 70th 71st wedding anniversary is that a record I don't think I've ever heard of anyone being married 71 years Uh, Craig and Mary uh, McKinchnick lots of love to them and that was they had their special day uh, yesterday 1850 just a couple of emails in. we were talking about nursing homes in the last hour and in particular we tied daily on talking about what's happening with the private nursing homes and then of course we Councillor Deirdre O'Brien talking about Fomoy at Community Hospital. Now, I have had an update from the Community Hospital. Before I get to that, I've had a lovely email in from Anna Collins, who says, My mum is a patient in Canturk Hospital, and it's very hard as we can't visit her due to the visitor restrictions. But I fully understand why we can't get in to see her. I would just like to let you know that they video call us most days so that we get to see her and obviously she gets to, her mum gets to see other family members as well. So I would like to say that all of the staff in Canturk Hospital are superstars to me and remember Susanna, all superheroes don't wear capes. That's become the saying, hasn't it, for the frontline staff. That's lovely. Thank you for that Anna and a big shout out and hello to all of the staff at Canturk Hospital and indeed all of the patients as well and, and that's, and I did mention that when I spoke to Tygum and we hear that every now and again from families who have a loved one in a nursing home saying how the staff are just going above and beyond I mean they're they're flat out busy as they always are you know they're as busy as ever um, and it's the same for hospitals as well but I think in nursing homes because it's they've got such long term residents who they've built up relationships with and they've also obviously built up relationships with the family members who would be calling in sometimes on a daily basis but certainly a couple of times a week and they're you know the staff are very aware for the family, for the patients and the residents in the nursing home, it's difficult for them not to have their family coming in to see them. But also for the family at home, they're worried all of the time as to how is mum doing, how's dad, how's granny, granddad, my sister, whoever it is. And, and to do that, to take the time out in a busy day to say, let's do a quick video call so that you can have a catch up and people can see. You know, and, and just to see somebody, I think video calling is fantastic because if you can just see somebody, you can see that mam's colour is looking well and she, she got her hair done and she's looking well. She's able to talk to you, perhaps. It's, it's fantastic. So well done. And that's been replicated in nursing homes the length and breadth of the country. It really is terrific. Anyway, for my community hospital, have been back on. And this is on the issue that's uh, made the Avenue newspaper that we picked up on with Councillor Deirdre O'Brien saying that some staff members in Fomoy Community Hospital are saying that they couldn't get face masks and they ended up having to buy them in a local discount store. And then Deirdre O'Brien said that some families wanted to donate face face masks and they weren't allowed. Well, firstly, can I dispel that? Uh, I'm told from the HSC that that's not true, that they have accepted many donations and are very grateful for donations of any PPE gear, including face masks. Everything obviously is checked uh, for infection and prevention control, but they do accept uh, donations. But they also then from my community hospital say there is no issue with access to masks or indeed any personal protective equipment at Fomoy Community Hospital. Staff, they say, have access to appropriate masks and equipment 
when it is needed. They say we would, they would like to thank all of the staff working in community hospitals who are continuing to provide the highest possible standard of care in what is very challenging times. The current guidance on the use of PPE does not recommend the use of surgical face masks or other PPE unless a healthcare worker is caring for somebody who's confirmed or suspected to have COVID-19. When the use of PPE, including masks, is indicated at community hospital, then the PPE is made uh, available. And I think that's the problem. And therein lies the problem. Some of the staff themselves feel more comfortable and feel better protected if they're wearing masks. But of course, so they want to wear the masks, but we know there's a problem with this personal protective equipment, the PPE gear, all over the country and it is being limited and staff are being told to be almost frugal with the use of it so I'm assuming it's the same in all the community hospitals if it's a COVID-19 patient then that's fine PPE equipment is there for the nurses and the staff working with the COVID-19 positive patient but for all other patients in the hospital it is not recommended that they wear the surgical masks I suppose for fear that they'll simply run out of them we just don't have enough but then we're hearing and that's what Deirdre O'Brien is hearing from nurses and other care staff they themselves feel better protected uh, if they have the masks on but you know the management are saying that the masks are, are only there and only available if it's a confirmed as suspected cases of COVID-19 so I think that therein lies the problem 1850 let me look at some of your calls and comments coming in and just to give you some updates on things yesterday we had a query in from a listener who realised that her medical card is about to run out and was wondering what's happening in our medical cards. So they've been updated and how are they being reviewed, etc. So we got onto the HSE and they've come back to say that if your card is due to expire during the COVID-19 pandemic, the HSE say we will automatically extend your card for up to one year. You do not need to contact the HSC to arrange this. They also tell us that letters will be sent out to confirm this with a new card. They, you will be assessed again when the coronavirus pandemic is over and they're right to let you know when that is happening. But as of now, we're right in the middle of a pandemic. You're anyone with a medical card your card will automatically be extended for up to one year and if there is a need for a review or an assessment afterwards they'll get back to you on that but you don't need to do anything I think that's the most important point you don't need to contact the HSC and I suppose the HSC they're busy enough as it is so you don't need to don't worry about it and you will get a letter that's just people who are afraid and aware that they're medical card is about to run out and I suppose people are a little bit worried uh, about it. On the COVID-19 booklet that I mentioned we got our Osquale go on here to the radio station uh, today. Hi Patricia, COVID-19 book just came in the post reading for the day, take care stay safe. Did you get an Irish or an English one I'm wondering? Um, but uh, well done because somebody else said I'm still waiting for the COVID-19 booklet should it be all be all be over by the time it does arrive and at this stage we know everything that's contained in it but it's but glad to hear that somebody has just received theirs and I'm assuming it's the English version of it even though the Irish one is out now uh, but if you do get it and I know we kind of we have a feeling or should we know what all this is sit down and read it because it's I haven't read it yet because I haven't received mine yet but by all accounts I've heard from people that it is a really good uh, read and the Irish version the reason for the Irish version of it was that when they sent out the original COVID-19 a booklet it was only in uh, English and 
it, they should have had a dual language one a little bit like the ones they sent out for the referendum somebody says I think this is a scandalous waste of vital finances why didn't they get it right first time round also I feel it is very unfair on the postal workers they are working hard enough as it is without now having to do a second delivery of booklets in uh, Irish. I wonder, can you request a costing of these booklets? I don't know if John Paul sent that into me, so I'm assuming he's working on trying to get a costing uh, on it. And I'm also want to be inter- I'm also interested to know where were those booklets published? Because we know they have that big printing machine in Dáil Air and the one that we spoke so much about last year. And do you remember it wouldn't fit in the room and the cost of it and all of that? So I'd be very interested uh, to see was it printed, if it was printed in Dáil Air and surely there would have been a saving on that. Oh and thank you to the listeners back to say they got the both booklets in the post together today, the Irish and the English one. Oh that's, that's good to hear. Uh, thank you for that. 1850 Okay, a number of people want to raise the issue of the lifting of restrictions and we know the discussions are now in place as to what this country is going to look like as we start to lift restrictions and as we start to try to reboot the economy. I mentioned earlier that, you know, there's big talks now that construction industry would probably be the first to go back and they could go back as early as just after the May Bank holiday weekend and it looks like systems are already in place to sort of stress test different sites to make sure that everybody that goes back to work will be safe. I mean, we want to keep everybody uh, safe. couple of your texts in on, is, on, in on this is uh, Tim says, the sign we want is that the recovery figure is consistently more than the new infection rate. Our nearest neighbours in the United Kingdom, their figures are too serious for us to relax so we need to keep a check on what's happening in the United Kingdom, I suppose, is what uh, Tim's point is on that. But you are right. We need to have the recovery figure needs to be consistently more than new infection. And actually, somebody sent me in a tweet that was was out um, late last night from the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, who was saying some good news on what was a difficult day when they announced the 77 deaths yesterday, even though just to point out the 77 people didn't die in the 24 hours. They were sort of doing a collation of figures over a number of days. Didn't exactly get the time frame of how long that was, but it was certainly the highest number that was announced in any one day, but it wasn't in a 24-hour period. But anyway, Simon Harris later tweeted that 109 people with COVID-19 have been successfully discharged from the ICU, which he said is a testament to the amazing frontline staff as a ray of hope in what has been, uh, what is a very dark time. 109 relieved families. And he went on to send them all the best. So that is certainly a good news story. And that's what we need to see is more people recovering and getting over the infection and getting on with their lives. Uh, JP says Hi Patricia, on some of the restrictions talked about being lifted what about people that work in factories? I worked in a factory that makes parts for electric and hybrid cars and I have been off work since the 18th of March doing plenty of painting and lots of power washing around the home but I'm just wondering when will the government decide it will be safe for the likes of us to go back to work thanking you uh, that's from uh, JP They, for, from what we can gather and we'll have more information but we'll have to wait until next week for more information they're sort of looking at it industry by industry and then what will happen is I mean if we're right to believe that it's the construction industry will be first back and maybe the opening up of some smaller shops 
what Leo Varadkar was saying yesterday will happen is they'll open up some industries and then there will be a period of reflection where we will wait maybe two to three weeks to see how industry is get that particular part of society and industry is getting on. Is there has there been any spike in cases? Are the numbers still low and you know remaining at the same level and if they feel then then that's okay that everything worked out okay with construction then they'll move on to another issue but I think with some factories in particular it'll be rather than the government saying all factories can now reopen and and there probably will come a time where they will say that but then it will be up to individual factories and what they actually make and is there a need for the particular product that they're making at the time. I mean, I don't know. Remember, we're dealing with a worldwide pandemic. This isn't something, this isn't just like for when we dealt with a recession in Ireland before. This is very different. This is happening on a worldwide scale. So I don't know how our car sales worldwide, for example, is there still a demand for the parts that you were making in your factory, JP? Is that demand still as high as it was when you finished up work in March. So, you know, there will be a lot of other factors before a lot of fact- factories will be fully up and uh, running. But no word as of yet, but we should have more, as I say, more information next week. Staying with cars, though, Marie says, Patricia, uh, I hope this message finds you well. It does. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking. I hope the next thing that will open in May will be the garages and the parts department in various garage stores. They need to open soon. So many people need to fix and service their cars. Keep up the the good work that you're doing, says Marie. Well, what, on servicing cars, yeah, but if there's, isn't, if you need a part for a car, I'm sure, and I'm just going through the list of, that we have, the list of businesses that offer emergency call-outs. Businesses that offer emergency call-out or delivery services. Let me just see, because I know that's where the hardware stores are. I'm just wondering, garage parts, was that in it? Essential retail outlets, wholesale beverages, household consumer goods, pharmacies, mm, essential for healthcare workers. No, actually, I thought that was on the list and it, it isn't. Well, hang on, no, it is. Retailers involved in the repair of motor vehicles, motorcycles and bicycle repair related facilities like tyre sales and repair, for example, they offer an emergency call out. So if you contact, I don't know, what particular, if there's a particular garage you've got in mind, Marie, and it's a particular part for your car, but if you contact a local garage, they'll obviously do a, probably a click and collect or maybe a delivery service to you, but they are certainly on the businesses that offer emergency call out or delivery service and they can and they are continuing to operate even during the current stricter restrictions. And then, hi Patricia, we're going the wrong way about it. This is considering any kind of lifting of restrictions. Can't they see what's happening? They may as well as let things run as normal. The virus will only come back faster. The longer the lockdown, the better, says this listener. I don't know if many people will agree with you on that because there are a whole cohort of people who are going stir crazy the longer the lockdown goes on. And somebody we're going to see if we can get some information for this listener from from North Cork. Says, hi Patricia, I'm a gardener by trade and I'm wondering if I can do my work during the lockdown. I don't know where to find this out. I'm not, by the way, getting a COVID-19 payment. Um, Yeah, so we're going to see if we can find it because I I could actually see a gardener working on their own. You know, you go into somebody's, you make arrangements, I'll call to your garden, I'm going to come into your garden, nobody around, you know, you well can do. You can be in the garden with nobody there so there isn't an issue with social uh, distancing. 
So we'll see if we can find out we get on to the relevant department. I don't know if it's, if it's is it the department of the Taoiseach has issued all these guidelines. Anyway, I know John Paul behind the scenes is working on that. We'll see if we can get an answer for that for a gardener because it is a time when gardeners probably at their busiest, one of their busiest times of the year. So yes, I hand on heart could see a justification as to why and how a gardener could be out and about doing their job with social distancing and all of that. So hang in there and we'll see if we get a response back to you on that one. And just final one to say, Patricia, there's an awful lot of spin going on about the virus. One fact remains centre stage. The virus was mismanaged. It was brought into this country with no plan to stop the spread until it was after taking a firm grip on innocent people. May the Lord have mercy on all of the stoles of those who have passed away due to COVID-19. C103 Jobs. A bicycle mechanic and a sales advisor is wanted for Cycle Scene Bicycle Shop that's based in Blarney Street in the city. While a production operator is wanted for food industry that's in the West Cork area. And PE Global, they are looking to recruit a community nurse and a community nurse manager, a pharmacist, and they're also looking for a nursing home nurse. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Now at the weekend, the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, said he could not see how people could return to packed pubs until a vaccine for COVID-19 has been found. Does that suggest pubs will remain closed until at least next year? Joining me with his views and the views of the Cork Vintners Federation is Michael O'Donovan. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And you, you're welcome. Were you surprised to hear Minister Simon Harris's comments at the weekend or was it expected? Um, no, look, I suppose it came as a, as a shock because, um, look, before Sunday's comments, we were hearing that... Um, you know, in the previous week, uh, social distancing would be with us for a while. So we had, I suppose, been individual publicans have been working on plans uh, for social distancing. And um, we had fears around that. But then to hear what he had to say on Sunday and the paper came as a total shock to us. And I suppose to many of our members, it was a real scare um, with the prospect of not being open uh, or having large gatherings. Um, until there's a vaccine found and look, listening to all the experts and medical people, we're probably 12 months away from finding such a vaccine. And what would it mean to the industry if you couldn't reopen until 2021? Oh, look, it would be a huge, look, there's 50,000 people directly employed in the pubs, but then you take, look, pubs have become, I suppose, uh, 50% uh, of the pubs in Ireland would now be huge food outlets. So thinking of the suppliers indirectly, yeah. like all the suppliers into it, it like it's uh, I'm a big believer in the say the wheel of life. So like if uh, if um, if we're not open, it has a huge effect on all those that supply into us uh, outside of our drink suppliers, but food, the milkman, the bread people, like there there's all jobs directly associated with them and who feeds into them. So it has a huge knock on effect because. Look, I suppose uh, pubs are a huge user of food and 
employment in general, like um, the 50,000, as I said, directly employed, but it's it's untold the, the, the numbers that are, would be indirectly employed through the pubs. What had you been hoping would be done when it would come to the reopening of pubs? Well, look, I suppose, firstly, I suppose hoping we were waiting for the medical people to say, uh, to give us some guidance on it. Um, I suppose we're still hoping that there'll be engagement um, with uh, the government because up to now we've listened and anything they've asked, you know, and they asked us to close uh, as responsible publicans, we all closed. Um, so now we would hope that they'll engage with us and our industrial uh, partners like the Restaurant Association, the Hotels Federation, um, and hopefully map out a roadmap for us. Um, if that has to be maybe a trial on, uh, this isn't just my personal view, mm. uh, on social distancing, uh, maybe we should do that. But they'll have to give us guidelines and work with us on it because, look, I suppose people will have seen that weekend of the 14th and the, 15th, the 13th, 14th, 15th of March, uh, social distancing in a pub setting didn't really work. But we're five weeks down the line with social distancing now, so... Maybe people are people getting better. Well, yeah, and I, I certainly would even notice that when you go to a supermarket. I mean, people have copped on and understand what social distancing means and people are queuing and people go in and even when you're inside in the supermarket. But the one fear I would have, Michael, with the pub, it might all start out fine at eight o'clock in the evening, everybody's social distancing. But would it be very hard when people start to get a little bit too much drink on board? Well, look, that's where we're hoping that the government would engage with us and hopefully uh, that we'd have guidelines on it and how to, to, to I suppose, to work in those parameters and see what is the, uh, what can be best practices. And that's where I personally think maybe a trial on this to see if we can get up and running and see how it goes. Because, look, it, it's a learning experience. We're going to have to learn it as we go um, look under these conditions I suppose uh, the the way of life for us at the moment is going to be changed so maybe we have to adapt to that just for until this vaccine is found Okay Lucy says um, Hi Patricia interested in your discussion with Michael O'Donovan today I was watching a piece from China when they reopened the restaurants they had a member of staff standing at the door taking people's temperatures would that be something that the vintners would be willing to do? Look again it's it, it comes back, uh, Patricia, to working to, to, to working with the government and getting these guidelines. Like um, we'd have to take our cues. Look, public health is obviously more important than anything. Um, so, like we would need to work again with the government on these guidelines and come up with a framework. And look, whatever was agreed, that is the practice then that we would have to put into place to to try and reopen mm. and do this this period. So, everything's on the table to discuss. Um, and see what is practical, see what is in the best interest of public health and you have to remember our staff health as well is of utmost importance of this in getting back to work. So we need to, to keep it all on the table. But look, discussions will have to take place and see what is uh, what can be done to try and open up the industries. By the way, what did you make of that economics uh, professor, Alan Ahern, who's an advisor to the central bank, and his suggestion of increase the price of a pint by a euro? It would compensate for lower sales, and I think he was a ten, it was a tenner per meal for yeah. the for the restaurants. What did you make of that suggestion? I just thought it was a small bit bizarre, to be honest. <laughs> because um, look, I think well, look, 
obviously the tourist industry this year is decimated, I would say. You know, we'll have very little tourists travelling. So if we were to do that uh, going forward, it would make Ireland very uncompetitive compared to our European counterparts. So, like, we would be shooting ourselves in the foot if we were to try and do that. If there's... uh, if we're trying to help the industry, it's probably the other way. We should be looking in trying to reduce excise uh, taxes on, on food and drink, VAT on food, excise on drink, to make us more competitive, to try and get us back up and running and attract the tourists in once again. It all comes back to the health uh, people. Once we have this vaccine um, and look, life gets some way back to normal, but like making statements like that I, I just don't think are real in the real world and interesting that you mentioned tourists I mean realistically we are not going to see tourists certainly from overseas for certainly not this year anyway no I don't think we're going to look I, I suppose people won't travel in well some might but not in huge numbers but again that will be when the governments open borders across Europe and into this country but I can't imagine uh, people having confidence in travelling are, you know, going to places uh, under this uh, COVID-19 situation. But look, I suppose the domestic market, hopefully if we do get up and running, that we would have some of them going around and that that might keep the uh, economy going in that. But look, that's to be seen once we, we look, I suppose, the first road marker is the 5th of May and to see what happens yeah. and take it from there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And are you hearing from other publicans, um, Michael? How are they How are they doing during lockdown? Look, I, I think many of them are finding it uh, strange and difficult. It's, um, look, I suppose, being publicans, we're used to being out, meeting people, entertaining. Uh, you know, the pub is the social hub of most communities. Um, I suppose a lot of them are are taking up walking and doing a few, I suppose, jobs in their own home or maybe an odd job in a bar or whatever themselves, but um, trying to fill the days. But it, it, it's tough for a lot of them because they're, all their lives, most publicans have been long-time publicans, and they're finding it difficult without the social interaction with their customers. Most of them are their friends, um, and it, it, it's hard uh, at the moment on them. Yeah, how are your parents? By the way, they'd be well known to uh, a lot of our listeners. They ran the the Castle Inn um, for for so many years. Uh, are they finding it tough? Yeah, strange? they're 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 I suppose cocooning upstairs. Uh, yeah, um, they they do get out for a short walk um, in the evening around the city when it's very quiet. Um, but the city is very quiet at at present anyway. But yeah, they're keeping good spirits. Um, so far, so good. Yeah, and the city itself very quiet. Oh, it is. It's it's like sure any of the office blocks uh, that have been working for home, you know, for the week or two prior to the, I suppose the 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 first time that the, we were asked to stay at home, it, the city had gone quiet. But now, even with say the full uh, measures that are in place, it's extremely quiet. Like it's very bizarre to drive around the city and like you, there's no traffic, there's no people out walking. Um, are very few out walking anyway. It's it, it's very bizarre. It's ghost towny, isn't it? And then when the sun comes out and the sun is shining, it just it's very. I've seen some photographs. Just it it all just seems strange and weird. It's uh, but then that's the kind of the world we're living in at the moment. Uh, Michael, we'll talk again in the meantime. Look after yourself and stay safe. Thank you. Patricia. And best wishes to your parents. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan of the Cork Vintners uh, Federation. They certainly under guidance 
Pubs would like to see pubs uh, open but uh, only time will tell and we'll wait and see what comes out hopefully some indication next week but I mean already listening to what Simon Harris said at the weekend and what Leo Varadkar has said uh, this week uh, we certainly are not looking at going into packed pubs for many many months uh, to come can I just give a quick mention to this because we are looking into this for Elizabeth Elizabeth and I just I give it out to see has it affected anybody else having a similar problem Uh, Elizabeth booked a holiday for herself and her sister they had accommodation sorted and they booked flights via lastminute.com website and the flights were with Aer Lingus she rang Aer Lingus to see what the situation was and they said yeah that's okay a refund has been sent because obviously the flight got cancelled when Elizabeth heard nothing back she got back on to Aer Lingus and they said yeah the refund is gone it's definitely been we've paid up the uh, refund but because Elizabeth had booked via a third party the money went to the third party which is lastminute.com rather than going uh, straight back into Elizabeth's uh, account. Now she was due to fly on the 3rd of April and come back on the 11th but she still hasn't heard anything from lastminute.com and we are now checking with lastminute.com for Elizabeth to find out what is happening there and I don't know if that is an issue for a lot of people when you're booking with a third party because obviously the initial contract there was between the third party and Aer Lingus so Aer Lingus has refunded. I'm still waiting out of interest on a refund. I had flights booked to go out on the 11th of April back last weekend back on the 17th um, I've applied for a refund haven't received a refund yet but what's becoming a bit of a sticker is for people who have booked with Ryanair and I'd be interested to see if this has this happened to many of our listeners because it seems the customers trying to get refunds from Ryanair now these this is on flights that have been cancelled are now expressing frustration because they claim firstly they're having huge difficulty getting through to the airline but it seems people are being issued vouchers instead of refunds people are claiming that they sent an email to Ryanair when the flight got cancelled saying they wanted a refund But instead, from yesterday, people started receiving emails from Ryanair saying that you've been issued with a voucher instead of a refund. And this is from people who specifically asked for a refund. They had been offered a voucher at one stage, but they said, don't want your your voucher, want my refund. And what also seems to be a problem is the vouchers are for one year and that's that. there's new laws came in You're, those vouchers have got to be for five years and I'm assuming vouchers like this uh, are the same as well so and anybody then who tries to get on to Ryanair to send an email saying don't want, my vou- don't want your voucher <laughs> thank you sir I'll have my refund instead the, the email for the refund is bouncing back so I'd be interested to see did many other people receive that email because Sadie who's working on the on the programme, she was due to go on a Ryanair flight to Spain over Easter. She's applied for the for a refund from Ryanair. Hasn't got her refund yet. Got her refund on her hotel, but that was booked separately. Hasn't got a refund yet, but she hasn't got this email saying they're giving her a voucher instead. So she's still holding out for the refund. But it's making the papers today that a lot of people yesterday received emails from Ryanair who had looked for, specifically looked for a refund and instead of a refund, getting a voucher. So let us know. I want to see, have, have we had many people in this area getting such a, an email? And we'll see if we can get onto some consumer group to work out, you know, legally, where do you stand? I mean, if a flight was cancelled, to me, once your flight is cancelled, you are entitled to a refund. If you opt to take a voucher, that's fine. 
but I, as far as I know, legally you are entitled to the refund. So well, let's see if we can find out what are your consumer rights uh, around that. 1850-333-103, the same. Sadie, I just spoke about taking your calls along with JP. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. To the Irish people, I say thank you for the sacrifices you've made so far. We all want to be outside. We want to be with friends and family. We want to see the mountains and the sea. We want to be free. And I know it is very difficult, but every sacrifice that we make is helping to save lives. It's making sure that our health service is not overwhelmed. It's making things a little easier for those working on the front line. We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19 guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. Age Action has launched a COVID-19 hardship fund in conjunction with the Irish Red Cross and it's to respond to the immediate needs of older people in vulnerable situations across the country. And we got a couple of calls in about this yesterday asking us if we could find out more about it. So to tell us more, I'm joined by Paddy Connolly from Age Action. Good morning to Paddy. Hi, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Now, how, uh, what are you hoping this fund will help older people with? Well, it's specifically designed, most people who live on the state pension, and that's their only income, uh, have very little flexibility in their budget if they meet unusual events. So most are considered to be living close to around the poverty line. So the aim of this fund is to help people out who, uh, say, for example, your smartphone goes and you don't have contact with your family or your fridge fridge breaks down and it means that you can't uh, stay in your house because you can't keep your food or your heating system goes. Those types of particular COVID-related hardships which make the difference between somebody being able to stay at home safely or having to rely on nursing home or hospital care. So it's very specific to small events that can make the difference for somebody in terms of just being able to stay well at home. Um, and and, and now, more, now more important than ever, the fact that we're asking this cohort of people to stay at home and cocoon. Exactly. And some word has gone out on the fund nationally that it's, a, it's an allowance or a grant that's available to everyone. It's far from that. It's a very specific fund um, and it's, it's, it's well oversubscribed at the moment. But there are significant hardships. I mean, the types of things, the majority of, of people asking for it are looking for things around their heating bill. Uh, heating, um, smartphones, small appliances going like the fridge and that kind of stuff. Uh, but the vast majority around heating and bills um, and that's what we anticipated because, you know, 70% of people over 70 don't uh, don't qualify for the fuel allowance that the government announced. So, so we knew there would be a lot around heating and keeping the home warm and that kind of thing. So people need to give you details of what what what, yeah, what their so needs there, are. Yeah. So there's a there's a landline, an age action landline, zero one four seven five six nine eight nine, and um, yeah, we're asking people just to state what specifically related to COVID-19 has caused the hardship. Okay. Um, and Irish Red Cross of volunteers are all around the country. And people can send in a photograph to say, look, the heating is gone or or uh, bits and pieces like that. And uh, we, we'll get a check out. And generally the grant is around the uh, the two, the average has been around the 200 euro mark. It's generally okay. been for, for fuel and that kind of thing, you know. Okay. And you say oversubscribed? Hugely oversubscribed, but I think that's partly been driven by the text that went out by all the political parties and TDs tweeting it, and it went into local newspapers. So 
Um, we are hoping that a big fundraiser will be launched uh, this week. Um, and uh, yes, hugely oversubscribed. So we're hoping that that fundraiser will, will make the difference because if it doesn't, we're going to have to uh, start to, to wind down the fund over the next uh, few weeks. Ah, which would be a real pity. But you want to make sure that the money is used for the purpose that it's intended for as well. Exactly, That's, yeah. you know, that, that, yeah, that is really yeah. important. Uh, could somebody apply, Paddy, on behalf of somebody else? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of over over half people over 65 are not online at all. So we realise that. And so there's a couple of options there. Either a family member or somebody who's supporting the family can log on to Age Action's website or email hardship2020 at redcross.ie. Or they can, the person themselves could phone Age Action and we would help them over the phone to fill in an application form. And the, the application form might be at our end of the system, not at their end. Um, and, and we can do that with them over the phone, you know. So there's, okay. there's a few different ways of applying, but yes, is the short answer. Somebody on behalf of an older person can apply. Okay. And how are you all doing at Age Action, Paddy? Are you very busy? Well, I suppose more importantly for the people we're supporting, you know, that it's a hugely challenging time. And I think the, the uh, many older people cocooned themselves well before cocooning was announced. You know, they were taking precautions. So the 5th of May will be seven or eight weeks at this stage that for older people who are cocooning. I think that's going to be a real challenge for people. So I think the message is to keep reaching out to older people and check are they okay uh, during this cocooning period because if it's extended, uh, I think that's a real challenge for people who are used to being active and out and mm. like their independence, you know. Yeah, I think the ones we're hearing from the most, uh, Paddy, are the, you know, the, the very active over 70s who are so yeah. used to being out and about and leading very independent yeah. lives. Exactly. And and yeah. I think if nothing else, if the restrictions, as as some have said to us here, if they could even lift the restriction to allow them go out for the, for the, within the two kilometre radius, you know, something well, even as small as that. Is that, that. That the rest of us should stay out of the way and there should be a couple of hours in the day when people are cocooning can get out for a walk and the rest of us stay off the street because we can walk yeah. at any time you know yeah so that's a really good point like that, yeah you know? yeah that's a really good point okay listen we leave it there uh, Paddy thank you for that okay, and, and good time. good luck with the hardship fund it's, uh, it's a terrific idea thanks for that okay. uh, bye bye that is uh, Paddy Connolly who is with Age Action and please it is a hardship fund because when I got to hear about this as well at the weekend uh, it was uh, there was the, the view that it was a grant and it was entitled that everyone was entitled to it you're not so please leave it for those who need it uh, the most I mean I've just seen somebody saying hi my parents are both at risk their tall freezer is on the blink I do their dinners in bulk at the weekend and then they freeze them but they have no freezing facilities would they qualify I mean to me that is exactly the type of thing they're not in a position to buy themselves uh, the freezer that's exactly the type of thing that the hardship fund uh, is available for if you want to get on to uh, age action You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. Just let me quickly. Oh, this is on the motor tax. Uh, a listener was on wants to know if the car tax office is processing applications because this particular caller paid his motor tax and was expecting his disc to arrive from the start of April and where are we at the 21st of April and he's had nothing by post yet and he was wondering what's going on and why has he not got his tax disc so we got on to the motor tax office who tell us that there have been some delays and there are also there are minor delays with on post because on post are obviously working flat out at the moment but they are working on it they also remind people you can renew your motor tax via phone or email the actual motor tax office is physically closed but there are people working 
behind the closed doors so they're closed to the public but you can contact them on 021 4544566 it's 021-454-4566 but they're obviously encouraging people if you have internet access to please do all your business online at motortax.ie Now we are getting a number of calls and texts in about people with holidays booked and trying to get refunds etc Sally is in Bandon Good afternoon to you Sally Good afternoon, Patricia. OK, holiday all booked and you're set to go away on the 26th of May. That's correct. So I take it all cancelled and you got a full refund? No, Patricia, not at all. What's happened? Um, we have tried on many occasions to contact Click and Go, who we booked it to, um, to find out, you know, could we get a refund on our holiday. Um, we did receive an email stating um, they were giving us an option to change dates. And we'd have to make our mind up before the 20th of April um, to let them know what dates we were changing to for this year. Um, My husband emailed them back and told them that, um, you know, we weren't interested in a date change and what was their refund policy. Um, There's not a refund policy with them, Patricia. They're telling us that we just have to sit tight until the 26th of May if our flights go we'd be expected to be on those flights. If not, we lose everything. Asha, who are you, what airline are you due to fly with? Aer Lingus. Out of Cork or Dublin? Dublin. To? To Turkey. Gosh, this, that flight will definitely be cancelled. Well, they only last week, Patricia, they told us that the flights, as far as they're aware, the flights are still going ahead. Oh, because I know I had a flight with Aer Lingus and I had to wait until literally the day before I think the flight I knew the flight wasn't going to go ahead but there, I, before I could apply for the refund I had to wait for the flight to actually be cancelled yeah. but I would be now I don't know maybe flights are still going to Turkey I'll get John Paul to do a quick look on Dublin airport just to see our flight still going to Turkey because, well, that's I, funny because I, my husband tried it over the weekend yeah and he can go on to Aer Lingus and book a flight to Turkey yeah but um, on the same date uh, for, for oh, actually for now or oh, maybe the flights are you see you're, you're in a catch 22 if the flights are still going you're not entitled to a refund even though you obviously don't want to travel to Turkey on holidays this no, year no definitely not definitely not have they offered you the voucher the, the voucher plus 10% that, they're, that they've been doing uh, for yes Aer Lingus have um, they've offered us the voucher but Patricia I don't want a voucher from them I want, I'm hoping to get my money back have you paid for the holiday in full Yes, we have. Oh, God. Yes, we have. And we're not the only ones. Like, there's my husband, my son and, our, and myself. Um, but there's uh, also an elderly couple with the last eight years from the city. We'd always arranged to go on holidays together. And God help us there after paying for it in full. She's in her 70s. Her husband is in his 80s. And she's in the same predicament. And she's saying, oh, my God, paying for a holiday. And she don't want even if they give her the option of changing dates because she said, who's to say I'm going to be here this time next year? Or my yes, God help. God help. I know, I know, I know. Please God she will and please God there'll be many more holidays to come. What are Click and Go saying to you? Just to sit tight. We'll have to wait, Patricia, until the 26th. Until the flights get, hope, yeah, hopefully, you're, you're now praying for, you're praying for a cancelled flight is what I you need. I am, I am, I am indeed, yeah. My husband actually asked them 
uh, I think he sought on citizen advice um, an advisory thing anyone that had travel booked before the 26th the 29th of May were entitled to a full refund okay. and we asked click and go what was um, you know we read it out to them and they said that that's not law that they don't have to give us a full refund, and that came from the Department of Foreign Affairs. And if you go onto their site, it tells you no unnecessary travel allowed. But Click and Go are still digging their heels in and saying, if the flight is going ahead on the 26th of May, we either go or we stay. But if you know, we're going to lose everything like that. Oh, please God not. OK, we'll get on to Click and Go in the meantime as well. And I know we, we're going to try and get somebody on from Consumer Association this week because there's a number of other questions like that coming in, particularly for people who have booked third party. Like somebody else got a refund and it's the third party are holding on to the refund and hasn't sent the money back. Anyway, hang in there, Kathleen. And uh, we will, um, or Sally, and we will, we, we'll, as I say, we'll get on to Click and Go and uh, we'll keep in contact with you, OK? OK, take All care. All right, God bless. Take care. Oh. That is uh, Sally in uh, Bandon and I want to go to Kathleen. Now, Kathleen, uh, afternoon to you, Morning. Kathleen. Morning, um, sister, uh, I'm, I'm very well. Now, you can, you've actually got information for us because we've had a number of people who've contacted us about Ryanair, booked a flight yes. with Ryanair, waiting on a refund and then some people started getting emails saying when you're not getting a refund, you're getting a voucher instead and when people try to get through to Ryanair, they're finding it impossible. But yet, our Kathleen, you managed to get through to Ryanair. Yeah, I, I suppose in terms of that, I had applied for the refund on the 31st of March for a flight for tomorrow that was cancelled. I got an acknowledgement from them that it was being processed on the 1st of April. And I looked at my emails yesterday on the 9th of April. I got a further um, email from them saying to bear with them that they had a backlog, etc. Then, lo and behold, yesterday, this email arrived um, with details of a voucher, which was valid for 12 months. So I went down through the end of the email and actually at the end of the email there's a chat box. I went on the chat box and it was quite efficient, I have to say. I was probably about five minutes, but I was doing other stuff on the laptop at the time. So I went on the chat box, gave my flight number, gave my reference number, gave the voucher number that I had been advised I was getting a refund. I did not want a voucher. Please advise. And they came back in the, to the live chat and he said, just bear with me, I will check it out. Came back again within a minute or so and said, yes, you will be getting a refund. He said, vouchers have issued for now because they're all working remote. They don't have the financial capacity working remote to do the actual refunds into people's accounts. The voucher will remain valid until they will process the refund. So I went back and said, so please advise, I do not have to contact you again, question mark. I will get my refund and he came back saying, yes, you will get your refund and you will get a further email advising you of the refund. But it will be when they're in a position to work in the office, etc. Fantastic. So, so that means I, when I restrictions would, are lifted. When restrictions are lifted, we'll get the email. I did actually, I suppose I was being a bit bitchy maybe. I went back <laughs> and I just said, maybe a suggestion. Maybe if you had one person working in the office and shoot through the actual refunds that are due. You know what I mean? Yeah, they could yeah. Have it, but I suppose it's cash flow for them while they have while they it have is, our money. It is. And yeah. can can I say, Kathleen, the huge amount of people that had flights booked with Ryanair. I mean, I heard of somebody yesterday who had four different flights, four trips planned, all with Ryanair. All of them have now been cancelled and he's looking for a refund on, on all four. So there's yeah. lots of yeah. people have. I can, yeah. but, but at least 
this is yeah, where, it, this is where lack it, of communication with Ryanair. Why did they not explain that in yeah. the email when they sent yeah. people out a voucher to say, look, this is just a voucher to say we haven't forgotten about you. You will get your money. Here's the voucher and we'll be back to you with your refund. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they're just chancing it to see. I mean, if I, I have another flight for later in the summer booked one way with them and back Aer Lingus. So I did not, maybe if I hadn't another flight booked, I might consider taking a voucher. But definitely not when I know that I will have problems down the line with another one. So I can understand where people have four flights booked they need to be getting their refunds, you know, because it's certainly, from what I'm hearing from people, that Aer Lingus are seem to be much more cooperative. It certainly puts me off travelling with Ryanair, I can tell you, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking on Twitter yesterday, oh my God, the abuse that they, they were getting uh, from yeah. people. And just and it's the frustration of not being able to get through to somebody, phones ringing out, somebody else, a number of people saying that when they hit the refund button and sent an email off, the email bounced back, so they're not even answering them, yeah. which is just yeah. frustrating. Okay, well, well that's... I, I would, I would say, like for anybody that got that email yesterday, go on the chat box and get your confirmation. Yeah. Yes, that you will be, rather than waiting for them to come back. I would put the pressure on them to, you know, just to get confirmation that they will be issuing the refund. We, were you going anywhere nice? We were going to Gdansk tomorrow, but sure, look, <laughs> there'll be another time. Yeah, again, another Gdansk time. will be there next year and the year after. And the year after. Okay. All right, listen, stay safe, Kathleen. Thank you for that. Thanks, and you thanks too. for Take joining care. us. Bye-bye, Kathleen in Bartlemy. And actually, they, that's a good piece of advice from Kathleen. If you get any of those live chat boxes, you know, that'll pop up on the screen. I, I've used those countless times in the past when I'm trying to sort something out because I just don't have the time or the patience to sit at the end of a phone line. You know where you're waiting, where your call is important to us, please hold. It just frustrates the life out of me. And I normally can't do it because I'm normally at home trying to do it and I'm trying to do something with Marsh at the same time and it just it never works out. So those live chat rooms are fantastic. Are another way I think is a great way of getting information from a lot of businesses is to go on to their Twitter feed and either put something up on their Twitter feed or private message them on, direct message them on, on Twitter. I've had great success in getting things solved that way as well. But anyway, that's just a good piece of advice from Kathleen just because there's a lot of people very, very frustrated uh, with Ryanair at the moment for sure. OK, can I go quickly to uh, just quick rundown through some of your comments coming in to the programme, uh, please? Um, hi, this is John in Blackpool. Says Patricia, after your call with Paddy Connolly of Age Action and the Hardship Fund, could you give us that contact number again? I can. And please, I'm emphasising this to people. I think Paddy Connolly emphasised it as well. It is a hardship fund. It is for people who are cocooning, people over the age of 70, finding themselves something's gone wrong, an appliance has broken down, and they literally have no money, or there's nobody in the family that can help them out, or they're cut with maybe for fuel or whatever but it's been oversubscribed and it isn't a grant it's a hardship fund so they've got um, the the Age Action and the Red Cross have to go out and fundraise to get the money in for this so we really want it to go to the people that need it the most and that's why there will be callbacks afterwards you know proof of purchase to make sure that you did buy what you said you were going to buy and they'll look for photographs to prove if an item is broken down uh, etc and I can see why they're doing that because they want this to get to the neediest of people you can call Age Action on Dublin 01 475 that's Dublin 01 475 
Hi, North Cork listener saying, hi Patricia, just wondering, did you hear anything about, oh, this is the North Cork listener who is a gardener and wants to go out gardening. I did hear something back almost straight away, came in on WhatsApp. A listener said to me by WhatsApp, hi, I live in Bandon and I asked my gardener to come and sort out my garden for me. He then went to his local guards to find out, would it be okay to travel to, you know, to go do the gardening and they, he was told by Angartha Siakona no wasn't allowed to do any gardening because it's not deemed an essential service which is a little bit unfortunate and I know we have sent a question off to the Department of the Taoiseach and they're getting back to us just to see because I certainly could see at this time of the year how busy it could be for gardeners and I also think that there will be no problem with social distancing if you're working in somebody's front garden or back garden there'll be nobody near you away do the job that you need to do and off you go because somebody else said and I'm, I'm assuming that they're not doing it as a paid job they do it as you know helping out in the neighbourhood Hi Patricia I do gardening for people I don't go into the houses but it gives them a lift to have their gardening look their gardens looking well absolutely there's nothing better than looking out when you see the garden and the grass is cut and all of that Hi Patricia question for you please I'm wondering if you could clarify this are people still entitled to their annual holidays when this pandemic is over. Those of us who have been put off work due to health reasons, thanking you in anticipation. Well, if you're out for health reasons, you're out because you're sick. You're on sick leave. And if you're on sick leave, your holiday still accrues. It's like when people are out on maternity leave. Your holidays are still accruing even though you're out on uh, maternity leave. Now, I think it'll be very different if a company has temporarily laid somebody off and then when you go back, I'm assuming you won't have accrued holidays if you were out and you're on a you know, COVID-19 payment because you've been temporarily laid off. But certainly if you're out of work for, for health reasons and you're out on sick leave, then yes, absolutely, your holidays will accrue and they'll be there when you go back. On the pubs and the pubs opening, people can social distance while in a pub. They can't shout across the room to speak to another person who's in the pub with them. Anyway, alcohol lowers inhibitions and people don't care about much when they have drink in them. They could even start spitting at people. It's crazy to even think or suggest that pubs could open safely with some of the scutting that goes on at the moment. And Tim says, I'm a non-drinker and I know of a pub in a rural area which lets in the faithful every evening. Now, it's not in a very populous area, so people are not crammed in even during normal times. If they get caught, they're completely breaking the law or breaking the restrictions at the moment. Uh, In Temple Bar, and that's where the video footage, remember, came out that caused all the pubs to close and to close before St. Patrick's Day. A pint is about €8 before 9 o'clock and then it goes up to to €9 at 10 o'clock and it's €10 after 10 before they shut down. Nobody can have sympathy for publicans or bar staff who are complicit in that kind of exploitation. Is that an urban myth or is that actually true that in Temple Bar every hour as it gets later and people have a few drinks in them you don't even notice that you're paying more for the drink. I've often wondered is that an urban myth or not or does it actually happen and is it something that only happens in the likes of Temple Bar in uh, Dublin. And when we're talking of refunds a listener wants to know did anybody get a refund from the VHI yet? Anybody get a refund from the VHI? I know I'm with Leah and we got I got an email to say we'll be getting refunds but they're not going to come until the end of April. I think they're paying it for April, May and June. And it's at the sort of, it'll be 
each month some kind of a refund will accrue and I certainly haven't had mine but that's uh, that's for Leia. This listener is interested in VHI. Anybody get a refund from health insurance provider VHI? The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie Here's a lovely little suggestion. It's called Bubbles of Love. It's to mark the International Parental Alienation Awareness Day. And it's going to be held this coming Saturday. Parents, grandparents and children who are separated for various reasons uh, will, will unite by blowing bubbles in memory of better times. So wherever you are, you're being encouraged to blow bubbles bubbles of love. Claire O'Donovan is currently fundraising for frontline staff at Clonakilty Hospital. Remember we spoke with Claire yesterday on the programme. She's a GoFundMe page and to donate you can click on the direct link in the Cork Diary section on our web page. That's uh, www.c103.ie and that's to fundraise just to provide for the wonderful, wonderful uh, residents that are Clonakilty Hospital going through a pretty tough time at the moment. And Nursing Homes Ireland are appearing are appealing to ex-healthcare staff and others who have skills to support nursing homes in meeting the care needs of the elderly population during the COVID-19 emergency. People in the community can make a huge difference to the lives of older people during this health emergency and Nursing Home Ireland want to hear from you. You can register your interest at www.nhirecruitment.ie Court Today on C103 with Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie And thanks to Nadine emailing us about, that's a Ryanair voucher. Um, hi, I received one of those vouchers yesterday. It says you can request a cash refund, but that you will have to be put in a queue and they won't be dealt with until after the COVID-19 um, um, pandemic has passed and there's no link to request a cash refund either. They seem to have gotten, gotten rid of that link that was there and anyone that was clicking on it or sending an email, it was just uh, bouncing back. So yeah, patience, I think is what you're going to need. You will be waiting, certainly, to get your money back from uh, Ryan air for uh, sure. Uh, Michael says, Hi Patricia, it's been brought to my attention that there are a substantial, now I, I don't know if anyone wants to verify this, a substantial number of nurses who work in the private hospitals who are being paid to stay at home as a result of the ongoing problems about the takeover of the hospitals by the HSC. Most elective surgeries cancelled in the hospitals, consequently the staff attached to theatre and surgical wards have nothing to do. Why can't these staff be deployed to other general hospitals and nursing homes? Is it not an expensive resource that's not being utilised. There certainly would be a lot of jobs there for them in uh, nursing homes at the moment for uh, sure. Uh, also coming in uh, to us, there's loads of people looking for refunds on from Ryan there. A lot of people very, very annoyed about it. Somebody saying we shouldn't be discussing the opening of uh, pubs why don't we just make sure it's safe before anything goes back to normal? What about the pubs after hours? Let's get real here, folks, and let us all try to uh, keep uh, safe. Hi, Patricia. This is Eileen. I'm baffled to, about nursing homes not being given enough 
PPE and especially PPE to each staff member and to hear from Moy Community Hospital say that they're only dealing they're only allowed PPE when they're dealing with COVID patients isn't this typical of Ireland I've read the COVID-19 book and it says it can take 14 days to present with COVID-19 surely the staff will be protecting the people in the nursing home if they all were wearing the PPE gear rather than dealing with it after an infection broke out and then spread and it's one of the reasons if you go to China and you will always see Chinese people wearing the mask they're not wearing the mask to protect themselves they wear it to protect other people because the idea is if you have COVID-19 and you know you didn't know you had COVID-19 if you're wearing a mask you're not going to spread the infection to uh, anybody else and it is one of the reasons why Chinese people always have worn masks it's to protect other people rather than protecting themselves Hi Patricia did you get any announcement from Bishop Finton yet about Holy Communion and Confirmations taking place this year we we dealt with this yesterday and what we got back from the diocese was it's a wait and see they haven't fully cancelled now we know we heard from somebody in Botovant that first Holy Communions were cancelled in Botovant and there has been confirmations cancelled already but there isn't a blanket cancellation of all first Holy Communion and Confirmation they're waiting on guidance from the government I mentioned it yesterday because the Diocese of Limerick took the decision to cancel all First Holy Communions and Confirmations this year. But the Cork Diocese, it's still a wait and see. And a quick one here from Catherine. Morning, Trish. This is about TV. Most of us would have Virgin Media, our our Sky, and then we also pay for our television licence in order that we can watch RTE. Right now, we're watching terrible TV. I've put the question to two prominent Cork TDs and I was wondering, would you ask your listeners if they would agree with me that all channels should be decoded while the crisis is on? I'm working myself so that this, this isn't about me getting things for nothing. We still have to pay for Virgin Media, for Sky and our television licence, says Catherine. And there isn't much on the TV and they're certainly not making any of the soap operas they're not making. They're not making any new uh, TV. So there's a lot of reruns. Talking of reruns, and sorry to sidestep Catherine, I watched Killing a Scully uh, the other night and I have to say I laughed out loud because I was wondering nearly 20 years later, would it be as relevant? Would I find it as funny? There's parts of it you're thinking, oh, you wouldn't get away with that today kind of thing if it was made today. It can be very politically not correct if you know what I mean but I certainly enjoyed uh, watching it but yeah there's a lot of reruns I, I know I know where you're coming from on this Catherine and in fairness to Sky they've reduced you have to apply for it people who have the Sky Sports packages they've reduced that I think it brings the bill down by about 50 euro a month for Sky Sports and that's because there's no live sports at the moment but yeah people pay a lot of money for TV and if they're not getting a lot of choice on TV one would wonder would it would it be a nice gesture if they decoded some of the channels I'm sure there's a lot of people listening Catherine would absolutely agree with you on that and one final email seeing as we've been talking about nursing homes today on the programme and this was one of those good news stories that we brought to you last week or the week before uh, Marie McInerney joined me Marie is a chaplain with Glanmire Community College but she was contacting us with regard to Nazareth House Nursing Home and she set up a campaign called We Are Thinking of You and she spoke to us about the initiative it's the where she was asking people children or adults to send in photographs of you know paint a picture and then take a photograph of it you could write a short story or you could send in photographs anything that you think would bring a smile to the faces of residents at local nursing homes and you were you were asked to email them to we are thinking of you 
2020 at gmail.com Now seemingly there was a big big reaction particularly in the lead up to Christmas because I saw some of the pictures up online and children are drawing some lovely Easter ones Easter pictures for the elderly people and seemingly the reports from the nursing homes is one of deep gratitude for the work that's been sent in to date so encouraging anybody out there maybe you've got children um, well you do have children at home I was going to say maybe they're at home of course they're at home there's no school maybe they can make it as part of their schoolwork for today to paint a picture or if you want to write a poem or write a little story or adults can do it as well but you email it into we are thinking of you 2020 at gmail.com and thanks to Marie for reminding us about that. Let's take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heffernan. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Ag foil amach quiddenanihe is farlin. Shaw eight thrower C one o three air Kirkig. Is there in devil yaston gahiraho Elizabeth Fort? Agus dearter guicha er chandus na sampli is far the rune reltochrohoch on shachtu hishdiag. Kiger atogoche harnablianta. Hogalord on dun on giatlaw real force lefeshkint. Atogoch edus border sevlien shadiag sehen. When saltas rair kana untocha er chahar chorki o ali na nunta. Agus tog trus kun faulin fest darin duin agus na kaharach. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, Patricia, with your comment? 086 And Joe Heffernan uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And how, how are you doing and how's the cocooning going yeah. and all of that? <laughs> well, there's cocooning and there's cuckoo. 
And um, <laughs> some days we're cocooning and some days we're cuckoo. But, um, yeah, we're doing okay. We're the, doing all the right. Weather, the weather helps, doesn't it? The weather? Yeah, the weather helps in that I found when I was off last week, I mean, I was blessed in that Monday to Friday I had lovely sunshine. Yes. Saturday and Sunday then were a bit miserable and you could almost feel your mood drop a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know how many people I've said that to recently that the weather has a big impact on, on how we're feeling here anyway. Um, for example, um, uh you know, it's so lovely to sit out, yeah. um, you know, while still maintaining um, the the rules because we're we're within our own garden. And yeah, space. you're fine, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the weather is a big thing. Now, I thought today would be better. It is quite cloudy. Oh, it is, it is yeah, but we're hopeful it'll pick up. Absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're ever hopeful because the forecast was great for this week. So we're, yeah. we're planning on the, yeah. on the sunshine um, yeah. being back. And well, to people, Joe, that are missing family and friends calling and they're finding the cocooning a bit difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a day there, a couple of days there now last week that there was a big gap between um, uh, contact from Ken in the Cayman Islands. And, uh, you know, we, well, I'll speak for myself, you know, I was thinking, for God's sake, couldn't he ring us or what's wrong with him at all, you know? Um, but then he did, and he was in great old farm, even though they have great restrictions there. And um, uh, the last I heard, anyway, there was 53 uh, cases on the island. And um, I think the island has around 70,000 population. But uh, it was great to hear. Now, the lads are in Cork, and, you know, so near, but yet so far, we can't, we've no contact uh, physically. But they ring every single day. Brilliant. So yeah. we've conversations, um, and that's what people need to do, isn't it? You yeah. need to, you need to reach out and reach out yourself as well. Absolutely, you know, pick yeah. up the phone, ring someone, yeah, and have the chat. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's uh, and you know, we've all been, I suppose, driving people nuts really, and been driven nuts at times with all the funny WhatsApps. Yeah, but sure, so what? They, yeah, some of them do going. raise. Uh, a genuine laugh. Some of them are so funny, and uh, and that's good too. Yeah. And maybe sharing the odd bit of uh, important information as well. Okay, all mm. right. Okay, now we are continuing today. Uh, yes. We started this last week to talk about helping children cope with the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic because yeah. it can be a scary yeah. time. It can be young children don't fully understand what's going on. And I know we heard of uh, one child, one parent contacted us to say she to to switch the news off every time the child came into the room Absolutely, because the and that's child, not a bad idea. Child just, got obsessed by it. Just before we get into that, can I say that I'm doing my work at the moment on. Uh, mobile uh, phone and um, followed up by relevant email material uh, depending on what comes up in the session and that my own uh, mobile is 086 834 8145 but I'm sure you'll... you'll I'll call that that out at the end again. Now the other thing is that there's been a great initiative from the IACP Um, they're doing free counselling for all frontline workers Um. Anyone who goes into the website, www.iacp.ie, will see a huge list of councillors with their full contact details, countrywide, fully accredited, male and female, who are offering their services absolutely free to frontline uh, workers. 
which is, you know, I think it's a great um, service to to give to people. That's but um, having said that, now to come back to your question, um, yeah. That it can be quite scary for, for children and just you're not understanding what's going on. Absolutely. Now, the thing is, the 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 kind of the um, the given wisdom at the moment would be like to to discuss with the child um, in obviously age appropriate language um, uh, what's going on um, to kind of to to be aware to take note of uh, the each child's um, reaction to what's going on. And if they're um, agitated or, or behaving differently or not eating or not sleeping or if there's a big change uh, in them, to ask them, like, um, well, what are they thinking about this new thing now, about this um, this uh, this COVID-19 thing that we all keep hearing about? And what, what do they feel ab- about that? And, um, you know, listening then is the big thing. Um and, you know, that if they come up with stuff like, um, you know, their fears that maybe the family themselves, ma'am or dad or whoever, you know, might be affected by this. For example, a child might say, well, they keep talking about older people, uh, ma'am. And um, what, what about gran? Like, is, 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 is granny sick now? And that one can explain uh, no, that um, not all older people are, are are getting ill, but that, like anything else, older people mightn't be able to um, fight off a flu, a virus, as well as a younger fit person. And the children, of course, are, um, uh, you know, uh, able to shake this off um, pretty well. So, like, to listen to what their worries are, and um, and to let them know that these worries and feelings are, you know, are are quite normal. Um, and I think that's a big thing to normalise feelings. That um, if a person is scared, to you know, to say, well, we all are a bit, but on the other hand, we're doing all the right things. Washing we're, the hands. Yeah. Yeah, go through it. Because it can be for some children, you know, have a very close bond with grandparents, particularly maybe grandparents that have been involved with childbinding, for example. And it can be difficult to suddenly, we can't go and see Nana and Grandad anymore. Absolutely. I mean, that is um, very hard for a child to take in. And um, it would be so natural for a child to jump to a conclusion that gran or granda is actually sick. There's something wrong, when, yeah. You see, so you'd be explaining to them that, no, actually, we're doing a great thing for uh, gran and granddad because we're keeping them safe because um, anyone can be, you know, uh, can, can, can carry this old virus and we certainly don't want to give it to gran or granda. So we we keep our distance as a safe thing. Um, we maintain our hand washing. Um, that you know that we understand that um, that you know the old days. Um, I'm just talking like as if this was a hundred years. Yeah. That um, you know that going out and kicking football and playing. Um, and all that for the time being for a short while 
um, uh, can't be done. And um, uh, maybe as well, you know, I think it would be a great idea. Um, I saw there recently, I, I don't know where I saw it, but I did see an art competition for younger kids. And, um, you know, apparently you could do your drawing, maybe, I don't know how you would do it, scan it in and send it off to the um, the relevant body. But, um, uh, you know, to have little games and to have um, uh, uh, structured routines like... Um, uh, we do a bit of um, uh, board games at, uh, at three o'clock more days. Um, well, people are trying to, I mean, with schools closed now, yeah. uh, parents, I mean, that's important to try to keep some kind of a routine going with children. You know, you set aside school time. I know there's this TV that started on uh, RT or doing this classroom TV. I think okay. it's 11 o'clock every morning. And anyone I've been talking to with primary school children said it's absolutely fantastic. Great. But like almost you can benchmark the day. You'll do some work in the, you know, first of all, homework with mommy and daddy and then the TV can take over for this hour from 11 to 12 and then there's a break for lunch etc it's it's keeping routines are just so important absolutely absolutely like we my, my office needed tidying up for about 10 years and um what we're doing now is that uh, 12 noon to 1 p.m we give it an hour every day well done and yeah and as Mary calls them, the heaps, because there are heaps of papers. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, that you will we're, eventually we're, throw out and recycle. And as well as that, like, to, to, to properly file, because um, there's a place for all of them, really. And, and think, some of it can be recycled. Absolutely. <laughs> without question. Yeah. yeah. It's called throwing it away, and we, yeah. we will recycle it. Okay. Yeah. And then the final one for the kids, as I mentioned at the start, limit the amount of exposure. We, we all, I certainly am a bit of a news hound, uh, and I have a tendency to consume too much of it. And at times I have to back away and say, enough now. I'm moving away from radio, TV, newspapers, whatever it is. That's important for children that you limit what they're watching. It is. It is indeed. And, and um, yeah, because too much of it would, you know, it would get to you. But the other thing as well is to kind of, to be more patient. I'm talking about the adults now, to be more patient because, look, it's tough times for everyone. I read today now at some stage that um, one of the well-known singers, um, uh, you know, that he, I, I don't know, he tweeted or he, he whatever anyway, that um, that he had moved out of the family home because himself and the wife just weren't getting on. And they have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. Um, wow. Now, I wouldn't be recommending the, the going out to anyone, but, I mean, apparently um, uh, the he was used to being on the road singing, um, uh, whether individually or with the group. And, um, and suddenly they're on top of each other. This does it, and 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 it got to them. Yeah. And, um, It'll be interesting at the end of this pandemic uh, how many people will be facing up to realities of problems within relationships. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's something we will deal with uh, close when with the pandemic is all over and done. But they've got to leave it there. We'll talk to you again next week. Um, uh, Joe, stay safe and look after yourself. Thank you, Patricia. Okay. And yeah, uh, Joe uh, runs a counselling service now. It's been done virtually over the phone and by email. And his mobile number. 
numbers 086-8348-145. That's 086-8348-145. I want to get a request in before I go because this came in earlier from the Cahalan family in Dunmanway, little Tristan's gra- grandfather, Finbar Cahalan, has a birthday today. Happy birthday to you, Finbar. Uh, I've had an email in from Ivana who says, unfortunately, no party, no birthday get together this year, but they will celebrate the next one and they want to wish you Finbar a very happy birthday you're a great dad and you're a fantastic granddad and I know that you listen to the programme and that you, if you don't hear it during the day you listen to the playback at night so I hope we're having a great birthday Gaga as I know the children call you happy birthday Finbar and uh, may you have many many more uh, 1850 oh, I won't give out the number because that's where I'm wrapping it up for today just one quick one as well in from Nancy has said has anybody else noticed if you are a regular buyer of newspapers how thin newspapers have gone if you take the supplements out there's nothing in it at all and yet they are still charging the same price listen I'm a big advocate of buying newspapers and particularly at this time and the newspaper industry are really really struggling and they are I think the content that they're even getting together now most of them are working from home etc most of the journalists uh, are and I think more than ever we have to support newspapers and absolutely it's the when you pick up the newspapers when I get the bundle of newspapers in the morning I feel like I'm picking up one newspaper and there could be six or seven in the bundle that I'm picking up so yeah I think everyone is aware of that but it's just during the times that we're living the current times and sure if they were to reduce the price the bit they're making on it as is would just add further to the woes of the newspaper industry so anything we can do to buy newspapers please continue to buy newspapers particularly particularly the local ones when they come out uh, once a week on the cancellation of communions Jones says she remembers back in the early 70s her daughter's communion was cancelled three times I wonder what that was for and it ended up being held in early July Joan if you want to get back and let us know I'd be interested to know why was it cancelled in the early 70s that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul and to uh, Sadie for taking your calls. We're back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock until then. I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie.